All right, everybody, thank you for joining us again on Three Major Sports. Welcome back for episode number 23. I am joined again by uh, my co-host Rob up in the uh, Pacific Northwest. How you doing, sir? Hello, fella. Hello, hello. And we are also joined by our special guest for the week, Mr. Doug Colson from Zephyr Hills, Florida. How you doing, man? Hey, doing well, guys. Thank you for having me. It's been a long of time. Of course. Always good to have you on the pod with us. So... Today, we're going to kick it off, and we're going to start hot. We're going to go right into it. It is Black Monday in the NFL. Uh, regular season ended yesterday, and the Miami Dolphins and Steven Ross started the day off by firing the best coach that they have had since, Jimmy Johnson. This is an absurd move. It is absolutely ridiculous. There is no merit to this. On our last episode, we just talked about how you know Urban Meyer lost a room full of grown men at 1-7 or 0-7 or whatever the hell the Jaguars were at. And Brian Flores in the same situation got his team to rattle off seven in a row, eight out of nine to finish the season. We swept the Patriots, which we haven't done in God knows how many freaking years, beat them to open it, beat them to close it. And it wasn't backups in the closing game. They needed that to try to win the division, to try to improve their playoff seating. They played us to the last minute and we still beat them. We beat them on our own turf. We beat them over there. Brian Flores did things that no other coach can say that they have quite a while. It's, it's ridiculous. It really is. Uh, the word coming out from what some people are saying is because of his interpersonal skills with different people on the coaching staff or people in the front office, which makes it sound like him and Chris Greer just didn't get along. But you know what? The players are what matter here because they're the ones on the field who are performing. They're the ones that are buying into what your coach is saying. You know, Chris Greer, I like him, right? He's got, he's had some okay drafts. His, he can't draft worth a shit on offense other than Waddle and Tua. He can't make, he cannot build an offensive line, but he has drafted several key players on this defense that we saw be the number one defense in the league down the stretch, right? So Chris Greer's okay, but honestly, if Steven Ross, how do, how do you choose somebody who is in the front office and moving chess pieces and not actually? directing anybody who matters on the field versus the guy who is in the locker room. I mean, this is a fucking person who ran out onto the field and tried to fight other players to stand up for his team. Like you should salivate at the opportunity to have somebody like him lead your team. We finished above 500 two years in a row. Again, something that hadn't been done by the Dolphins in close to 20 years, I believe. We are, I mean, yeah, we didn't make the playoffs. We're also the first team to finish above 500 two years in a row and not make the playoffs either or since. Wait for it. 03 Miami Dolphins. Because that's what it is to be a Dolphins fan. Uh, in case you guys didn't know that little stat. Uh, that's what it is to be a Dolphins fan, right? That's the kind of thing that we've had to live with. But the fact that we finished over 500 for two seasons in a row, the fact that he won coach of the year last year, the fact that we were building towards something I mean, really special on this defense. This defense was absolutely amazing for the last nine to ten games of the season. They were ranked number one in almost every important category, uh, including opposition points per game, even with, again, giving up 34 to Tennessee last week, which was a tremendous letdown. But again, you, you finished nine and eight. Uh, there are teams in the playoffs in this league right now at nine and eight. So it's not like it's a failure, right? You You, you suffered from being in a conference that had several good teams in it all the same year and the tiebreakers didn't break your way. 
probably has a lot to do with that seven-game losing streak, specifically those losses to Jacksonville and Atlanta. One of those wins turns this around and we're in the playoffs and we're not having this conversation. But that is not a difference in performance that merits firing your head coach. Everybody on the internet today from former players like Damian Woody uh, to current guys like on this team, Robert Hunt and Brandon Jones. Robert Hunt put out uh, that, you know, I'm hurt. And Brandon Jones was like, facts. Like, these are people who are out there. Everybody thinks that this decision was a bad one, that it does not make sense. Um, I would be surprised if Brian Flores doesn't have a job in two weeks, really. Like, he's going to be into in the interview cycle this offseason from what I've read uh, because, obviously, he is somebody who is, like, primed and ready to keep going. Like, this is fucking stupid. It's going to set this franchise back again. We just keep finding ways to trip ourselves up. If it's not bad drafting, it's bad hires. And when you get a good hire, you fire him after three seasons. Put that into context. Brian Flores had the same opportunity and time as Adam Gase did here. And look at the difference in culture in the building. Look at the difference in on-field performances. Other than that one half a season that we got really lucky and put us in playoff position and then Tannehill got hurt. Adam Gase was a joke here. Brian Flores was 24 and 25 in three seasons. His first season here, we fed him to the fucking wolves. They didn't give him a quarterback. They threw out, they threw Fitzpatrick at him last minute. He didn't have any offensive players uh, except for Gusecki at that point. Uh, there was no running game, which there still isn't. And we're still managing to work around that. Uh, and the defense was just starting to be built. It, it, it had X, and they drafted Wilkins that, that year, which, I mean, he was good. It was, he's not what he is now, right? Because obviously he's developed in three years. So if you take that 5 and 11 out, the dude's 19 and 14. He's 19 and 14 when you offer him a little bit of a better defense and a franchise quarterback. 19 and 14 in this league in two seasons with a seven-game winning streak thrown in there, which is incredibly difficult to do in this league, and a Coach of the Year award. Steven Ross is off his rocker. As a Dolphins fan, I am personally now looking forward to the day that he sells this organization and gets the fuck out of my life. Um, that's the emotion is coming back. I will, I will <laughs> defer. I will defer. I will defer to one of you two for a few minutes to throw some logic into this, so it's not all emotion. But um, yeah, man, this has got me hot. Yeah, I mean, honestly, uh, there there's no rhyme or reason to it because I th- I can't remember if one of you guys shared it or if it just showed up on Instagram somewhere else. But Jay Glazer was just talking about that he heard he heard stuff on Flores, but was like, no, that's that doesn't make any sense. Why would they get rid of him? Which is true. I mean, he he immediately becomes the most sought after coach available. And to be completely honest with you, I think that dude is coaching the Minnesota Vikings uh, by the end of January. I mean, that that's the one that makes the most sense because he can plug right in as a defensive minded coach and already has a quarterback, already has a running back. Like the offense is fine. He, he just has to fix the defense and they can compete, especially if Aaron Rodgers is out of the uh, NFC North. So, yep. yeah, I, I don't I don't see any and I haven't read that anywhere or seen that anywhere. That's just of the I was looking at the, the five open jobs as of right now. There's always a surprise after Black Monday, but mm-hmm. um of the five open jobs, I think that's the one that makes the most sense for him because he, he is ready to coach in the playoffs. I mean, he's yeah, he's going to be one of those guys. So, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think, I, like you said, I mean, you said something similar a couple of weeks. I, I think by the end of January, that dude's coaching in Minnesota. 
Um, and yeah, it just doesn't, it doesn't make sense. I haven't seen a team statement about like what their reasoning was besides for just stuff you've seen on Twitter or, or, you know, on the, on the internet, but um, I'd be interested to see what their official statement is of why they moved on. Um, Cause personnel wise and performance wise, it just, I mean, you're finishing 500. What do you, or above 500, two years in a row. What do you, yeah. What no. more are you looking for? Like quote, the Steelers made don't it. tie. You're in the playoffs. Right. Uh, quote, I made a decision today to part ways with Brian Flores, said Stephen Roth. After evaluating where we are as an organization and what we need going forward to improve, I determined that key dynamics of our football organization weren't functioning at a level I wanted to be and felt that this decision was in the best interest of the Miami Dolphins. I believe we have a talented young roster in place and have the opportunity to be much better in 2022. I want to thank Brian for his hard work and wish him nothing but the best in the future. That is nonsense that is absolute nonsense because if there are levels of your of key dynamics in your organization that are not worrying that are not working i can tell you that they're not on the sideline they're in a right. press box somewhere or they're in an owner's suite somewhere you know maybe it's time yeah. to look in the mirror instead of somebody who changes coaches like he changes his underwear just because he's a billionaire who doesn't have to hear the word no from anybody in the last 50 years of his fucking life and that's maybe where the dynamics uh, need to change Right, because from the sideline down, it's not where the issue was. And again, your record proves that. The record that he put up proves it. it quick stats. In the last two seasons, there are only nine teams with a higher winning percentage than the Dolphins. The Chiefs, playoff team. The Packers, playoff team. The Bills, playoff team. The Bucks, defending Super Bowl champions. The Titans, playoff teams. The Rams, playoff team. The Steelers, playoff team. The Saints, who have one of the most creative offensive minds in the game for the past two years, and not to mention he still had Drew Brees last season and made the playoffs, playoff team, and the Colts, with Frank Reich, who, again, is another offensive influencer, and uh, he does good things on that side of the ball. And at that, they were maybe one game better than us by these percentages. So the only people you are chasing are the people you should be chasing, playoff team, contenders. You're not in the bottom third of the league. You're barely, I mean, nine, you are the cutting line to be in the top third of the league, the top third of the fucking NFL. This is what you strive for. The next step is to be in those top five teams. But now we just reset that clock. And God knows who he's going to hire, right? Because that, that's the next thing. What are you going to do to do better? Do you have a plan? Judging from all of Stephen Ross's press conference co comments today, he doesn't have a plan. He specifically said, I don't have a coach in mind. He said that he's not going to be the person to pull Jim Harbaugh away from Michigan because he's a Michigan alum. First of all, I think that's a crock of shit. I think he's going after Harbaugh. This guy's known to be a goddamn liar. He lied to Sperano's face and said he wasn't going to chase Harbaugh once and got on a private jet and flew cross country to chase Harbaugh. Right? So I don't believe a word that comes out of this man's mouth. Um, but I, there's, there's just, there's, like you said, there's no rhyme or reason to this. I don't see what we can do. Doug, I, I want to hear something from you on this, man. Okay, so as a less emotionally attached Dalton fan, I look at it from this perspective. The fact that they kept uh, Chris Greer as the, the GM shows from an organizational standpoint that Brian Flores was not okay with any of the personnel decisions that were made. And with that, the players did play for him very hard. There's no getting around that. You don't win seven games in a row without a buy-in from teams. However, Anytime you heard about Deshaun Watson, it was always Flores that was 
more in favor of that. Pushing. I don't think mm-hmm. I, I don't think Tua was ever a favorite of Flores. And I'm sure that they weren't overly thrilled with drafting a Jalen Waddle, who's a nice receiver, but he's not a game changer at all. And so I think from that perspective, Brian Flores was not the yes man that Ross probably wants to have. And that is why he got fired and Greer did not. That's and I absolutely believe that. And I I also believe that like you said, Tua Tua was not Greer's choice. I mean, I'm sorry, Tua was, was not Flo Flo's choice. Uh it was reported and leaked during the Deshaun Watson spectacle that during the draft process that Flo had preferred Herbert over Tua. But Ross and Greer were enamored with the circus that was Tua, the tank for Tua, the him being the greatest prospect to come out of high school and God knows how long. Uh, so that's why they went that route. And and so, okay, I get that, right? I get that. But you've still been able to make it work. Everything's not going to be fucking roses and daisies at work sometimes, right? You're going to have conflict. There are going to be people who disagree. The way you work through those disagreements, like in any relationship, like in any marriage, you don't just duck and run with a problem. You try to work it out. You guys had been working it out. The record gets even better when we just look at the games that Tua started this season and not the, the losses that we took under Brissett, right? Like, it's a lot of frustration that comes out of this because I do know that Flores was not Tua's biggest fan. But all the reports, again, in the coming out from Jeff Darlington, you know, people that are plugged into this organization and have been for years, is that while they weren't best friends, it was a working professional relationship. It was not some tense drama stare-off between Tua and Flo. Tua was mature enough to do what the coach said. The coach was mature enough to know that I don't maybe don't love him or I don't, I don't love him, I like him, but this is my guy and we're going to do it. So that's something to work with when you're talking about the – I mean, again, you tell me we're in the bottom third of the team and that's the dynamic, then sure. Maybe, maybe you can merit a change there. But the team was moving in the right direction. You – Injury breaks took you out of the playoffs this year. If we have Tua for the full season, I do believe we nail one or two more of those games down that Brissett couldn't, specifically the Raiders one that went into overtime, that we saw Tua yesterday even with poise. We gave The Patriots gave him the ball back with two and a half minutes left and made him go out and make plays and make first downs, and he was able to do that. Right? These are some of the things that you wouldn't expect Jacoby Brissett to do. Jacoby Brissett, honestly, was lucky to get us to overtime in that game. I feel like Tua would have done a different thing in that game. Uh, would probably come out with a W uh, against the Raiders, who are dun, da, 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 a fucking playoff team. So I just don't get that. Side note, I take offense to the Waddle thing. I think Waddle is absolutely a game-changing wide receiver when we put him in a place to succeed. You don't catch the most balls in NFL history as a rookie for no reason. Uh, I get that they baby the offense a little bit, and he does catch a lot of short um, a lot of short passes. But that man can get downfield, and if we start putting the ball over the top, he is somebody who can absolutely blow the top off of defenses in this league. And I, for one, am really looking forward to that being – the offensive strategy on this team soon instead of these dink and dunks. Um, but yes, that's I, it's still his best offensive draft pick other than Tua or even maybe better than Tua in his tenure here. So he's got to be something. Like I were saying, we got to tout something up to try to make ourselves feel better. And I think Waddle is, Waddle is the right answer for that in particular. So that's yeah. what's happening with the Miami Dolphins right now. This is... <laughs> Obviously, very fluid. Um, 
he says that he's not going to go and pry Jim Harbaugh away from the University of Michigan, which for one, if that's a true statement, which I still don't believe, I'm ecstatic. I don't want anything to do with Jim Harbaugh. Um, reports are out now that Reports are out now that one of the candidates is Jim Caldwell. Fucking why? Why are we recycling garbage head coaches? Jim Caldwell couldn't win with Matt Stafford and Calvin Johnson on his offense. How are you going to sell any fan base on Jim Caldwell being the answer following Brian Flores? That's absurd. And now Brian Dable. Brian Dable who was our offensive coordinator in 2011 under field goal loving Tony Sperano and got fired for that shit too. We're going to go ahead and bring you back when, when the problem on this team is the offense and we're going to bring back the guy that specialized in kicking field goals and got everybody fired. <laughs> sure. That seems like a great fucking idea, Mr. Ross. Um, I don't know. But, what this goes, but this goes hand in hand when, you know, is Dable not the offensive coordinator for the bills right now? Yeah, sure. Okay. So Josh Allen makes, him look a lot better, just like Peyton Manning made, you know, many offensive coordinators look fantastic. And, you know, and so it's like, you know, the NFL has this horrible thing of recycling old coaches or, you know, the, the hot coordinator, you know, and it's like, obviously the hot coordinator gets it because they have a quarterback who makes them yeah. look a lot better. Right. And it's like, if they get their heads out of their asses and stop going that route, they might be onto something. Now, the yeah. only thing about Jim Caldwell is that he's a polar opposite as far as his demeanor compared to Brian Flores. Brian Flores is very – Oh, yeah, he's a soft face and, right. and so maybe – of course, and if you look at NFL hirings over the years, and there was a great article on The Ringer, and I'll forward it to you guys, where it's like whenever a new coach comes in, it's always going to be the opposite of what they had because if that didn't work, then maybe the opposite will work better. And it's like it, it, it's a crapshoot, and it's, honestly, I think the Dolphins just really, really – fucked up big time yeah i think so too and i can't remember the last coach who succeeded while coddling his players i mean it's the hard asses that win right the coaches that we remember in this game the belichicks the cowers even andy reed for as lovable as he looks is a hard ass with his players too he doesn't really take any bullshit from anybody and we saw that go down with the T.O. spectacle back in the day right even when when andy reed didn't have the coaching resume he has now he told Terrell when he wasn't going to run the fucking show. And T.O. was a top three receiver in the league back then. So, I and I understand what you're saying, that they do try to go for the opposite effect to see if it changes. But I don't feel like in this situation, change like the players aren't the ones with the problem here. So, I don't think we need to change our coaching mentality. I think we need to change our front office mentality. And, I mean, again, I strongly believe that Brian Flores got fired today because somebody who was closer to Mr. Ross's ear had their feelings hurt. And this is what the result was. And Brian Flores being the guy he is, he probably got that news, told him, thank you for the opportunity. And his head, he's like, you're all a bunch of fucking pussies and walked out the door with his head up. And I don't blame him, bro. I, I hope all the best for him. I really hope that he shoves this in our fucking face at some point in the future and that the camera pans directly to Chris Greer and Steven Ross when he beats us in what will probably be an important game because that's just how things work. Um, so hey, you guys play just, Minnesota this year? <laughs> We play them next year because we do play the NFC North next year. And I'm actually – I don't know Ooh. if we play them here in Miami or not. I know we play Green Ooh. Bay here. So that's one of the home games we have. So one, <laughs> one out of three shot that the other one's Minnesota, if not uh, this is, Detroit this or is, Chicago. 
This is lining up, bud. This is, oh this yeah, is lining up. and he could, he can end up in Chicago too. That's another vacancy. Half the half the fucking division doesn't have a coach up there, uh, and they're all coming to play the Dolphins next year. So See, I, I I feel like I feel like if if that guy is going to land in a in a team that he can be really successful with, it's got to be one where he can have an offensive coordinator that can just say, "Go go deal with this. I'll take the defense." And that's sort of why I thought Minnesota, because they're they're all they have one in place problem. now. Do they have Their an OC defense? in place now that they would keep? No. Does Minnesota have an OC in place now that they would keep, even with a regime change? I'd have to I'd have to see who who is there. I just I think that they could probably that, get one. Like as we can tell from this conversation, I am pro Flores all the way through. But if yeah. I was going to criticize him, the dude runs through offensive assistance like he does his underwear. And he hasn't hired a good one yet. So there is well, that, which is why if you can land somewhere where the offensive coordinator is both safe and comfortable to stay, that would probably, like, that would be a fucking, such a perfect situation for Flores where he doesn't right. have to go and, and try to get an offensive assistant that's not worthless. Well, um, I think I think that's sort of where this comes in, is you can... <sighs> The talent that, that Minnesota has right now on offense, just, just offensively, is not anything you guys have seen in a long time. And, and that's, that's not meant to be an insult. Just there no, is yeah, no Justin, Der- Justin Jefferson, Kirk Cous- even Kirk Cousins. Like, Kirk Cousins is better any quarterback that you or I have had in the last probably right. 10, 15, 20 years. Right, uh, right, and right. same thing with Dalvin Cook. I mean, Nick Chubb is probably on par with Dalvin Cook, but that's he's in rare air as well. So – I think you'll have a better chance of getting a good offensive coordinator when you have something like that to work with. Uh, you can get guys to come and, and run that offense, even if it's, you know, something out of college or something like that, you can still get a guy. I wanted to go back to, I feel like um, that the hot coordinator thing is typically the way to go. Honestly, uh, guys that haven't had a chance to be head coaches yet, but can run a pro offense or a pro defense. I feel like, mm-hmm. That is probably the best way you can get any sort of job training. Uh, so the fact that we haven't even mentioned Eric Bieniemy yet—that's what I was going to ask you. That's what I was going <laughs> to ask you. I was like, because who do you consider the best one now? And it's clearly Eric Bieniemy. And I haven't seen his name pop up yet either. But I've seen Brian Dables. Yeah. See, and I don't. I don't want to go there on on the air. I'll, I'll give you that opinion. Oh. Afterwards. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think. I think we are all thinking the same thing. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think there's something that disqualifies um, Eric Bieniemy, uh, and maybe it's something in his in his resume or personality. I don't know, um, yeah. but yeah, it's strange that we haven't heard that, and that's sort of why I felt like uh, I, I sort of feel the way you do, where it, it is going to be someone like Harbaugh, uh, if not Harbaugh. The fact that Harbaugh told uh, recruits. Like on the recruiting trail, hey, there's a possibility that I may not be here because I am going to talk to NFL teams right now. I feel like that's that's the huge red flag. Yeah, that's the key because you don't tell that to recruit. Like he's the type of guy that I feel like would lie if he thought there was a chance he was going to stay at Michigan. He wouldn't tell anybody that. Right. And and I could be wrong. I could be wrong. But I, I feel like there's you have nothing to gain from that honesty unless – you're on your way out. And unless you already know where you're going, honestly, like your agent already has something lined up. Right. Like it's a done deal. Cause you don't also yeah. want to look like an asshole to the 18 year old. You're trying to, you know, recruit. Right. Right. It, it was very similar. Um, and we're not going to do any NBA stuff today, but very similar to, uh, to Rick Carlisle leaving the Mavericks this last year, 
Like, yes, it wasn't going well in Dallas, but he clearly already had Indiana or Indiana lined up before he left Dallas. He was right. their head coach like before four that. days later. Mm-hmm. So, well, yeah, so he, I mean, so he already had the pre-existing relationships there to get that done like that. Yeah. Correct. Correct. So that was that was clearly his agent was working on the background like, hey, Rick, if you want to leave Dallas, you already can walk into this position with these players and this guy. And this is the con. like they already had that stuff worked out. I feel like there's something similar going on here because it would be the only thing that would make logical sense to get rid of someone as successful as Flores, who hasn't had any public blow ups with anybody. Like typically, if if there's really relationship problems, you would have heard about it at some point. Like there's nothing to talk about in the NFL five days a week. And then you have games, you know, two, three days after that. But otherwise, they're just talking about rumors. I mean, God, I've heard more about Odell Beckham the last two, three years than, than some of my family members uh, just because they, they love to talk about what this guy does in the off season, what he do, like that right. stuff's going to come up. So the fact you haven't heard anything like that from this guy in three years, and then all of a sudden he has, you know, relationship issues. I feel like that's just your way to weasel out of hiring or firing your current coach who was successful because you already know who you want to replace him with. So, right. It, it takes the, the stress out of that decision-making, right? It just, it starts to become, I mean, it's probably more emotional because of the relationship that Stephen Ross has with Jim Harbaugh and the University of Michigan and all that bullshit. Yeah. Um, I'm interested got, to know if he went to the game against Georgia. If Stephen Ross sure. was at that game against Georgia, then I, I, I could almost guarantee that that conversation came up and has probably already been figured out. He owns the stadium. Yes, he was there. Oh, they played in Miami, didn't they? Yeah, that game was here. <laughs> I forgot about that. I was thinking it was like Indianapolis or something. Okay, yeah. No, yeah, no, no. That's tonight is Indianapolis. Yeah, tonight is at Lucas Oil, yep. Yeah, so, man. I think I think you're you're Harbaugh. I think those Walmart khakis are coming your way. Jesus Christ, man. There's a Walmart across the street <laughs> from the stadium. Coincidentally, there's a Walmart across the street from the stadium. Right. There is. Yep. I've been to that Miami, Walmart. Miami uh, Gardens. Not, not, Miami Gardens, Walmart. Right. No, no. Uh, <laughs> Back to the Vietnamese conversation. Um, so that was that was a joke. We are done with this. I don't want to talk about this anymore. Uh, hopefully, next time we talk, a competent hire has been made, and he is not wearing Walmart khakis. Um, but you know, we'll see. We will see. So, with that, we can transition into some fun stuff. We are in playoff season. The playoffs in the NFL do begin. This coming weekend, we have six games on the slate. Uh, one of the nice things about adding this playoff team, we eliminate a team with a bye. We add somebody into the mix to playing. Poof, you got two more games on the wild card weekend, which make for an awesome viewing experience. So the, uh, the NFL has playoff games this weekend, Saturday at 4 p.m., Saturday at 8 p.m., Sunday at 1, Sunday at 4, Sunday at 8.15, and a Monday night football playoff game. Uh, I think that that is awesome. I think it makes the games that much more fun and exciting because old school playoff weekend, it's four games by Sunday afternoon. Like you're done. There's no Sunday night football. You really get those those Sunday scaries when you don't have any Sunday night football after having them for four months. So I like this setup. Before we even get into the matchups, what do you guys think about uh, how the NFL is handling this this year? There's no such thing as too much Playoff football. F and A, man. Agreed. Agreed. F and A. So, (laughs) uh, awesome. I'm I'm glad. I want to see what next week's looks like because I think it's 
the same amount of games or maybe it's one less um, on each side instead of two less. Or I don't, I don't know. I know we, we lose two teams, but we gain one. Oh, we lose three teams. I think, I think, we gain yeah, one. I think next, next week is going to be uh, four games. It is two. Six. Yeah, it's two and two. All right, cool. Yeah. Well, this will be fun then. This will be some fun and we'll have Monday Night Football. So in the AFC, uh, we've got an all AFC Saturday coming up. First game is the four o'clock slot, and it is the Las Vegas Raiders at your AFC North champion Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, Rob, since this one hits close to home, I'll let you start us off with this one. Uh, yeah, I mean, to, the Raiders have been surprising me all year. I mean, they, there's been a bunch of games where they've sort of there's by. no reason for them to be here. Yeah, I mean, they have ten wins, bro. Like that's the that's the most surprising part. Like as much yeah. crap as we give them, like Derek Carr, I think is second in the NFL in passing yards. Um, they have ten wins. They made a, a midseason coaching change. Doesn't seem to matter. Um, even last night, I think they were going to go for the tie and decided, oh wait, we could either play Cincinnati or Kansas City. If we win, we play Cincinnati. Let's do that. Uh, and and change their minds, which someone appeared to tell Austin Eckler uh, after the game, which is interesting. Um, yeah, I I think as long as Joe Burrow's ankle's okay, I think Burrow uh, and Cincinnati win relatively handily, uh, which I think would be the first playoff win. They didn't have any wins with Andy Dalton in the playoffs, uh, so probably their first playoff win in the last thirty years or so. If he can get that done, uh, I I just I feel like there's. There's no reason to not pick Cincinnati. They're six-point favorites currently, uh, but the Raiders have just been doing wacky shit all year, so it's hard to it's hard to know for sure. But I, I would pick Cincinnati uh, pretty pretty comfortably. Doug, what do you got? Um, I'm going to go with the Bengals. I mean, their offensive firepower is like they're they're going to put points on the board, you know, especially if they don't have like if Mixon's back and you know Chase has just you know showed what he can do. Like he did at LSU, and uh, and I like Joe Burrow. I mean, he, he he's got all the makings of like a superstar. So Bengals by covering this pretty easily, I think they're winning by at least ten. All right, yeah, I think we're all gonna ride that Bengals bandwagon. Uh, they did play this game back in November in Las Vegas, and Cincinnati won that thirty-two to thirteen. So this game is obviously at uh, in Cincinnati. So. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that they're going to do that as well. Everything that you guys said, Smoking Joe, Jamar Chase, Joe Mixon, uh, this offense is, is great. The defense has been – the defense has held their own for the most part. Uh, the games that they lose, I mean, they lost to the 49ers giving up 26 points. The Chargers lit them up for 41, but Justin Herbert tends to do that to people. So did the Browns, actually. Uh, but other than that, 17 on the Ravens, 11, you know, 25 to Aaron Rodgers. So this defense can hold its own. I think it's uh, – I think, like you guys said, it'll be pretty handily, and uh, the spread is only six. So, like Doug says, I think that they will cover that spread, even if it's just by a touchdown. But I think they'll cover six. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, everybody on the Bengals bandwagon. Uh, next game. So Saturday night football: New England Patriots at Buffalo Bills. Um, Doug, you can lead us off on this one with this AFC East clash. Yeah, on this one, it the. It's not going to be pretty. I think Buffalo will put everything all together. They'll just put the ball in Josh Allen's hands and let him do what he does best, whether it's throwing the ball or running the ball. And Mac Jones, he, he's had a nice rookie year, but playoff football and rookie quarterbacks really don't go hand-in-hand. Hand. So I'm saying Bills, definitely. 
Yeah, I uh, I'm gonna follow you on this. I think that Buffalo will finally be able to exercise their demons over the Patriots. Um, we saw what happened in that Monday night blizzard that they played in, where where New England only threw the ball three times and they ran it like 41 times or some nonsense like that, and ended up winning that game ugly. That's what Bill Belichick does. He he's he outsmarts you and he he knows how to make those kind of situations go his way. They played a couple weeks after that in a normal football game, and Buffalo went on the road into Foxborough and beat them 33-21. This game will be back in Buffalo. That place will be exploding. Bill's Mafia is going to be out there in full force, obviously. Uh, so I think that, yeah, I think they're going to get it done. Sean McDermott and Josh Allen, they, they exercise their Patriot demons and uh, do it in the playoffs. What do you think, Rob? Uh I don't know, man. I've, I've it's hard to pick against Belichick. New England. I know. Yeah, I'm I aware. Say, I've, I've picked against Belichick a lot, um, just in like, you know, personally, internally, just hoping. Oh God, you know, the Pats have no chance. Specifically, like the the 2001 Rams were like my favorite football team of my lifetime. <laughs> they were so much fun, and I thought there was no chance in hell the Patriots could hang with them. And granted, this is obviously a much much different team, but. They're just they've they've found ways to do stuff like that. Granted, he had more time back then, but New England's defense is very very good, and there's there's a good chance after playing them twice already that Bill knows what to look for and what to prepare for for this week. Oh so it's, well, he's been playing them for years in this this yeah. iteration of of at least for two seasons with Diggs. This iteration of the Bills, like right. I don't think that that just because it's the third matchup this year that it's gonna somehow. I mean, for all we know, it's well, gonna benefit always McDermott more. Differences. Yeah, there's there's always personnel differences year to year. So even if even if you've played a team multiple times, um, just that version, that particular season can like I, it was similar last year with the Browns and the Steelers. Like we we played them yeah. twice during the regular season, beat them when they didn't have any of their starters, and then went into their house the first week of the playoffs and kicked the shit out of them. Well, like McDermott's gonna have some good film to use because that so that now that you're mentioning how good that Patriots defense is, they they only give up. Uh, like 17 points a game coming into yesterday, and the Dolphins' offense put up 24 on him. I'm not counting all the special teams and the pick sixes that we put up, but we still put right. up 24 points. So we move the ball on them. That's something that he can look at and and see what he can pull out of from right there. I think that's a, you know, I guess an advantage for McDermott in game planning this week. Yeah, I, I guess. Like the smart play is to say the Bills will win. Um, if you take away the three point, we've been doing this all year when we make our picks. When you take away the three point home advantage it's a one point buffalo uh spread so i mean vegas expects yeah. it i guess to be pretty oh, to close. Be close yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so I mean, okay we can agree that bill belichick's not gonna get blown out of the playoffs like i think they lose but i don't think it's 33 to 13 yeah i i i don't know man i, I can see like speaking... 28 21 28 24 I can see something. I get like this that. seeking suspicion. He's got some weird blitz package that he's been waiting to use all year for Josh, Josh Allen, Allen. In the playoffs. <laughs> yeah like he just oh, man. they're so weird with that stuff. Like they beat him in a game where Mac Jones threw three times. Like it just they always have But that was weird a, like that's I get it's it. It's just situational. I, I get it. I, I honestly I understand what you're saying. Just he'll figure out a way to exploit a team that has no running game besides for their quarterback, especially in the playoffs cuz that's no. where that always comes to bite you in the ass when you have but no running game. You say that, but Devin Singletary? Devin Singletary, past, yeah. He has turned it up. I mean, he he won me a championship in fantasy, so he, he's, he's the X factor right there. 
he has involved. he has had much better performances lately, yeah. and it has been a better running game for them. Uh, so, what do you think? You you taking the Patriots then? Are you gonna go? Are you gonna ride on the Bills? Bills not uh, here. Are, are, are the are wagons? We, are are we counting this uh, as a continuation of a regular season pick? Yes, which I have to do the math on, but I have everything obviously documented. Okay, all right, then I'll go with the Bills. Okay, so oh, the way you said that are... is like, uh, like we're twisting your arm or something. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a I, I don't know, man. Pick right I, there. I, it feels weird. Like the Bills have been to the playoffs. I think all three of Josh Allen's seasons, and they have two playoff wins, uh, and I think they were both last year. Um, so, I don't, I don't know. I just they. I'm I'm uneasy on them, honestly. Especially, you know what it is too. If you can't score a touchdown against the Jaguars, like I, I don't care if that was just one week. Like it's just, it feels weird, and it feels weird that you could get beat by Jacksonville, but like you're gonna kill Bill Belichick. This team season had a serious peak valley peaks thing to it. That Jacksonville was the bottom of the valley, and yeah. they had some bad performances before and after that. But they looked a lot more like how they did at the start of the season right now than they did during those weeks. Like, this this offense is is working right now. Yeah. Yeah, I'll go with the all Bills. Right. Well, we're all going with the Bills. So, we've all – There will be no surprise. All Bengals, all Bills so far. All right, next we go Sunday, 1 o'clock. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles, who squeaked into the playoffs at 9 and 8, at the Tampa Bay Bucks. This should be a short stay. Uh, I'm not even going to – go into this very dramatically. I'm going to go with the Bucks on this. It's a home game. Uh, Tom Brady probably should be the MVP of this league. I don't think he'll win, but I think he should. I think it's um, Rodgers. I think they're going to give it to Rodgers too, but I still think that Brady should win it. Damn, I even feel dirty to say. Um, <laughs> but I'm, I'm taking the Bucks. Uh, go yeah. next, whoever wants to go next. Yeah, good Buccaneers. It's Bucks. a no-brainer. Yep. Awesome. Next one. Sorry, Eagles. Glad to see you in the party, bro, but it's it's going to be a short state. The next one, 90s nostalgia. The San Francisco 49ers go to AT&T Stadium and play the Dallas Cowboys. So, Doug, you can lead us off on this. So, with this game, it's, I think it's the best matchup of all the first-round games altogether. Um, I mean, both teams are extremely talented on the offensive side of the ball. Unfortunately, though, the 49ers still have Jimmy Garoppolo as their quarterback, unless they get Debo Samuel to throw more. Um, I mean, the Cowboys have dropped like 50 points like twice in the last three weeks. Like they're peaking at the right time. So I, I say it's the Cowboys. Go for a run. I'll go 49ers. Uh, Ooh. Yeah, I, I I don't know, man. I I think Parsons will be back, but he was on COVID leave this last uh, the last game. And I think he went out later in the week. So he may have to miss the game. Um the 49ers can can run the ball I'd say as well as anybody else they're they're not a you know they're not a pass first offense obviously even though they they sort of were yesterday um but they're they can really slow a game down with that running game uh between mm-hmm. Debo Samuel and, and all those running backs they have back there so I I don't know I I I sort of lean 49ers uh especially if Michael Parsons doesn't play yeah I I mean if he's vaccinated, he's going to play. I, I saw guys go on COVID list for the Dolphins on Monday and, and be cleared by Saturday because the protocols are just so different if you're vaccinated. So that would probably make a big difference. But I would assume that Parsons is – I mean, 
they're going to do everything they can to maneuver that to get him out there. Um, I'm going to I'm, I'm going to go with Dallas though. I'm with Doug on this. I think that uh, Kellen Moore and that offense, he's got he's figured out what to do with everybody. Cooper is more and more involved every week. Uh, C.D. Smith is obviously great. Ezekiel has been, I mean, above average. He hasn't been top five in the league, but I don't. I mean, he may be up there in, in rushing yards actually and make the, the top five. But again, the offense has been working. I think they're going to put up a ton of points, even on that 49ers defense that's been pretty good. Um, so I'm going to go with the Cowboys on this. Cool. Oh, Excellent. I'm the last one, so I should continue my conversation. Um, <laughs> next, we go to a historic moment in NFL history, I'm sure. Uh, ben Roethlisberger's last game in the NFL. The Pittsburgh Steelers uh, go to Arrowhead and play the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, similar to how I feel about the Bucks and Eagles game, Steelers, thanks for coming. It's going to be nice, but it's going to be quick, and you're going to be gone. Uh, Patrick Mahomes does Patrick Mahomes things and sends Ben Roethlisberger out uh, into the sunset or whatever the hell you want to call it. So Kansas City. Yep, Chiefs. Chiefies. Yeah, yeah definitely the Chiefs, but um, I, I, I got to give kudos to Mike Tomlin, who has never had a losing season as a head coach. And I yep. think he's criminal, criminally underrated as a head coach. Especially if he dealt with uh, Antonio Brown for as many years as he did, <laughs> that, that gets more impressive every time Antonio Brown's name comes up in the in the in the news. The fact yeah. that Tomlin was able to keep that man under control for seven years is 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 the coaching feat of all times. It seems <laughs> right, and you didn't even know he was a maniac. Like right. you had no idea. Right. <laughs> you had no idea. Um, all right, cool. So everybody on the Chiefs on that one. That one seems pretty easy. Uh, in all seriousness, though, Ben Roethlisberger. Awesome quarterback, first ballot Hall of Famer for sure. Questionable personal decisions will always <laughs> <taint>. rapist. <clears throat> yeah, they will taint his uh, <laughs> reputation. Um, but you know, again, can't deny what he did on the field: two Super Bowls, three Super Bowl appearances. Um, yeah, man, he's gonna be in the Hall of Fame. Good career, and he held on just long enough to not embarrass himself. So good for him. Uh, last game of the weekend, Monday Night Football, dun, 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 dun. Uh, Arizona at Rams, SoFi, hosting a playoff game. Um, feel free to take the lead, whoever would like on this one. Ooh, all I'm, now. It, it, it's, it's a tough one. Um, honestly, I could see either team winning. It just all depends on what version of Kyler Murray shows up and what mm-hmm. version of Matthew Stafford shows up. Yeah. Which is a typical NFL playoff game. Which quarterback right. plays better? Which quarterback well, plays better? Well, yeah. well, right. But you have the unproven guy versus the guy who really never did anything while in Detroit. Yeah. And so, yeah. Who, who knows which way this game goes? Yeah. yeah. I'm going for it, Rob. I just I, I think it comes to coaching, uh, and and I think McVeigh does laps around Cliff Kingsbury, uh, so I, I I would say Rams. I think our uh, our predictions before the the Packers reaffirmed themselves as a juggernaut. I think our predictions at the beginning of the year were Rams, Bucks for the NFC title. Uh, I, I don't know that that necessarily continues, um, mostly because I think the Rams. No, that yeah, the Rams are the three seed. 
so I think the Rams would have to play the Bucks in the divisional round next week if they won. So, um, yeah, yeah, I, I'll go Rams. I'll go Rams. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with the Rams too. I like yeah, McVay does laps around Kingsbury, and I think that this is what Matthew Stafford has waited his entire career for, bro, to be in the playoffs with competency around him, both on the sidelines and uh, on the field with him. Odell yeah. has been awesome while he's been there. Uh, Sony yeah. Michelle is picking it up as a great lead back, actually, and which is great. They're getting Cam Akers back now, which I'm sure they're going to pop him off in secret any minute now and just blow up an off uh, defense. Um, on the other side, Von Miller, Aaron Donald, uh, Jalen Ramsey. This is this is a Super Bowl-ready team. Uh, and this is going to be, I think, probably – I think this might be the best game of the weekend. Uh, but I'm going to go with the Rams on Monday Night Football. So, did we all go Rams there? Um, yeah, I'm going to go Rams too. I mean, it's, I, I, I think it's going to be a lot closer. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, the Rams have just right. a lot of talent all the way around, so it, it's hard to go with them. Or go against them, excuse me. Wow, so the only game that we disagreed on is Rob taking the Niners and us taking the Cowboys. All right. Yeah. So, Which the Vegas spread on that game is a lot lower than I thought. It they they have Dallas as a three point favorite. And so their basically home. their home field, uh, you know, really? advantage uh, is what breaks that tie. So. Yeah. All right. Well, that is the NFL playoff weekend. Um, it should be fun, regardless. I think that most of these results will be like this, but I think it'll be an entertaining weekend of football. And we'll have something interesting to discuss next week when we join back up. There's always some surprises, too. We'll, we'll be wrong on a couple of these. Yeah, and we should get some coaching hires pretty soon, especially for anybody who's hiring somebody who's not currently coaching in the playoffs, and they can start doing that now. Like, I don't know, a college head coach, for instance. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, at, least right. not, at least it's not Brian Dable. Uh, but it could be Brian Dable. <laughs> yeah, be. well, it wouldn't that be, would be the least sexy. That would be the least sexy, like, choice of of any of them. That would be the worst. Seriously. That's like rehiring yeah. Joe Philbin. Oh my For God. keeping keeping Joe Judge. <laughs> All right. Well, what we can do? Let's before we sign off real quick. We can do a little bit of a uh, college football here. The national championship game is. 13-9 at the end of the third quarter. Georgia is up on Alabama, but Alabama is driving. Who do you guys think is going to win this? Georgia. Really? Yeah. This is similar to the, in my brain, this is similar to the don't bet against Belichick deal. Like, don't bet against Saban. I just, I don't know. They beat him once. This is a much different looking game because that game they popped off on offense right from the beginning, and this offense has really been struggling against Georgia tonight. Uh, they've gotten yeah. some long plays because Georgia's secondary <clears throat> has been meh, so they've gotten some long plays. But once they get them down into the red zone, like they've locked them into field goals. Like if they if they have no space to re- to have to defend behind them, and it's just that front seven which is elite for Georgia, they've shut this offense down. So. Uh, I think it depends on whether Alabama can figure out how to get in the end zone, which is kind of crazy to say. But I still think Bama wins this. I think I don't believe in Georgia until they show it to me, man. I've, I've, 
I've fallen for that way too many times in the past six years. Oh, for sure. Long. No, yeah, way longer than that. Go back to Matthew Stafford. I mean, that's that's oh. the ones where you were like, oh, they're going to win a title for sure. One of his three years. Nope. Yeah. Not uh, I, I think what, what sort of makes me say Georgia, uh, and I'm, I'm really getting tired of Ohio State transfers being really good at other places. <laughs> um, but uh, Jameson Williams, um, I think he went out in the second quarter. Yeah, I don't think he's he been did. back. And that's, no, it that's, didn't a, that's a big that deal because he, he had huge numbers against Georgia in that uh, SEC title game. Right. So not having that, I think, is sort of their equalizer. Uh, Bama did just get a first down in their own territory right before the end of the third quarter. Yeah, they've um, got 300 yards and nine points, which goes to show, like, once once Georgia doesn't have to defend any space behind them, they just buckle down and you're only kicking a field goal. Because uh, right. they've got more yards than Georgia does on offense by, like, 40 yards. Uh, but it's 13-9 Georgia right now. So, let's see. Yeah, I think Alabama takes this. Yeah, well, so, it should be should be interesting. It have to be a comeback. That's fun. Doug, where are you going on this? Uh, I'm going to take the uh, I don't really care. Okay. <laughs> stand on this because it's like, you know, it's, I don't know. College football is just getting to be very mundane because it's like, oh, which SEC team is going to, you know, compete for the title every year? And it's, yeah, it's like – they're the best. Well, well, there's there's two of it, two and a half of them that are worth anything. The rest of them are kind of a joke. Wow, wow. <laughs> uh, all right, well, we'll wrap it up on that. Thank you guys for uh, another great episode, Doug. Thank you for joining us. Oh, uh, it, was, it, was, it was great being on with you guys. Uh, you know, the last time I was on, the Mets were in first place. That's how long ago it was. <laughs> <laughs> We know how that turned out. Yeah. yeah. Fuck, fuck them Mets. Yep. Uh, there we go. There it is. It hadn't made an appearance in a while, but here we go. <laughs> there we go. Uh, thank you all for listening. Make sure to rate and review us wherever you listen to your podcast. Follow us on Instagram at 3 Major Sports, And we will talk to you again next week. Take care. See you, buddy. Right. Take care, you guys.